right, so uh, I'm going to tell you a story, a crazy story. In fact, I've been, I know these stories, and I've been like um, just really amazed and intrigued again by the story of Paul. But I want to tell you my premise for this morning, but I want to ease you into my premise gently so that when I tell you my premise, you understand kind of what I'm tracking with. So this is not my premise, but this is to ease you into it, okay? Most diet and exercise plans don't amount to much. Is that a fair statement? Because living healthy requires a high price over a long period of time. It's hard to do, right? I'm in favor of healthy diet and exercise. And I don't think that a diet and exercise plan is stupid just because a lot of people fail at them. Okay, you tracking with that? Here's another one. Most budget plans don't amount to much. Is that a fair statement? Because real financial stewardship and integrity comes at a high price over time, right? It's hard to actually pull that off. I'm in favor of living with a budget. I don't think it's a dumb idea just because a lot of people fail at it. I think it's a good thing. So here's my premise. And this culturally has been a little bit controversial recently. Most activism doesn't amount to much. Because to bring about real change in a fallen world comes at a high price over a long period of time. I'm in favor of passionately pursuing a cause that you care about. And I don't think that it's stupid just because a lot of people fail at it. I think it is a good thing. We are given numerous reminders in Scripture as to what is our calling in the world that we live in, one that you're familiar with, Micah 6.8. What does the Lord want you to do? To do justice and to love mercy, that you would be those people in the world who are standing up for the causes of God. I just know that most activism doesn't actually amount to much, and complaining about the world that we live in doesn't change the world that we live in. For those who want to be a meaningful part of being, uh, bringing real change towards causes that matter to Christ, today is for you. And whatever your realm of influence, maybe your realm of influence right now is, is exactly the borders of your own home. I'm going to tell you, bringing about real change in the lives of those that God has entrusted to you is real difficult. It comes at a price over time, right? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's the community at large. Maybe it's the world beyond that. But if you want to be a part of what God is doing and bringing about real change towards worthy purposes, today's story is for you. So here's the story. You ready for the story? Story time. Our story is about Paul. Paul has been traveling all over Kingdom Come, all over Asia, and he lands in a city called Caesarea. And in Caesarea, a guy named Agabus, which is going to be our seventh child's name, uh, a guy named Agabus uh, is a prophet, and he shows up to Paul and he says, uh, Paul, if you go down to Jerusalem, they're going to tie you up 
and um, probably do you harm. And Paul says, yep, I think you're right. And so his friends, the Christians there in Caesarea say, you should not go down. You should not go down there. Paul says to them, no, I know that's what's going to happen when I go down there, but God has called me to go down there. He wants me to go down to Jerusalem anyways, even if they hurt me, even if they harm me. So Paul makes his way. He goes down to Jerusalem. He comes in uh, kind of quietly into the city. And the, the leaders of the church there, they know that he's in town. So they meet up with him and they say to Paul, Paul, you would not believe the rumors that have been spread about you in our town. It's terrible. They say all kinds of crazy stuff about what you've been up to. You're probably in danger here. So this is what we would suggest you do. You should take a sacrifice, like a lamb, right? You should go down to the temple, offer a sacrifice, like the good Jewish boy that you are, as a way of proving to all of your critics here that you're not crazy. You haven't lost your mind. Paul says, okay. So Paul goes down to the temple to offer a sacrifice, to do the good Jewish thing. And while he's down there, there's some out-of-towners from Asia who recognize him. They're like, wait a second, that's Paul. Hey, guys, that's Paul, the crazy, you know, ex-Jewish leader that's causing trouble all over the world. That's him. And it says that they incited a riot right there in the temple grounds uh, uh, and, and basically created a mob around Paul. Well, the Roman soldiers that are there, they're like basically peacekeepers, policemen sort of. They come in, they say, all right, guys, break it up. It doesn't break up. Everyone's going nuts. So they, it says they picked up Paul and they carried him out of there, right? So they bring him out away from the crowd. And Paul says, hey, guys, can you hold up just for a second? I want to say something to this group. Could you get them all to quiet down? So <laughs> they say, uh, sure. Okay, everyone, quiet for a second before we haul this guy off. He wants to tell you something. So everyone's quiet. And Paul says, listen, I get it. I used to be just like you. I used to travel the world trying to find people like me and kill them. I was, I was a homicidal maniac. I understand. I understand your motivation. That you believe that out of obedience to God, you need to get rid of people like me. And then something happened. I met Jesus. And that changed everything for me. And so here, Paul's got this riot breaking out, right? He calms everyone down, and he shares his personal testimony of encountering Jesus. And he gets to the part where he says, and then, after I met Jesus, he told me he wanted to use me to preach the gospel to others. And he told me he wants me to go to the Gentiles. And all the Jews said, now you've crossed the line. We know that God doesn't like Gentiles, right? Uh, God likes Jews and Jews only. And so they started rioting again. And so the, the, the commander says, grab him, let's get out of here. So they haul Paul off and each other. I want to find out why he's such a problem. Um, let's tie him up and beat him until he's a problem. It's a creative strategy. So they shackle Paul 
and they're about to whip him, and Paul says, uh, excuse me just one second, I'm a Roman citizen. And the guy, the centurion, turns to the commander and says, wait, is he a Roman citizen? Wait, are you a Roman citizen? And Paul says, yeah, I purchased Roman citizenship at a great cost. What is illegal? Because if you're, you can do what you want to a Jew, but you can't do that to a Roman. Romans deserve trial. He said, uh, really, sorry, we didn't know. And, and also, so just tell anyone, we'll, okay, we'll take, we'll untie you. We're not quite sure what to do with you. So we're going to keep you overnight. And then tomorrow we can have the Jewish leaders come and accept beef with you, right? Okay. So the Jewish leaders come the next day. Commander says, so what is your guys' problem with this guy? And say, well, he teaches against our customs. And Paul says, uh, can I, let me tell you what I've been teaching. And then Paul shares his testimony about Jesus, the resurrection that's available through, through faith in Christ. You would think at this point the leaders would say, I see what you're doing. You need to knock it off. Every time we are quiet, you start preaching Jesus. So Paul recognizes that in this room, there are two groups of Jewish leaders that don't like him. One of them is the Pharisees who believe in a resurrection, and one of them is the Sadducees who do not believe in a resurrection. And he says, actually, really the problem is, is that I'm an ex-Pharisee and I'm resurrection. And this started a big argument between the two groups. And the Romans, again, had to extra all fighting with each other. So they put Paul again, and they lock him up for the night, it's still not quite them. And that, it says that Jesus came and met with Paul again. And he told Paul, he said, I want, I want you to know you did a good job. You did it. Now I'm going to send you to Rome to do the same thing. That night, Paul's nephew, his sister's son, comes to him where he's, where he's being kept, and he says, Paul, there's 40 guys in town. They've all made a pact with each other that they're not in conversation with you. It's a trap. They're going to kill you. Paul, you should do something, and so they tell the Roman, and 200 soldiers kill him to another town to get away from this threat. When they get to the other town, the governor lives there. His name is Felix. And Felix says, so what's your deal? And what does Paul do? I'll tell you what my deal is. I met a man named Jesus, and he has changed everything. And, and Paul preaches the message of Jesus to Felix, the Roman governor. And Felix says, you're kind of quirky, but I like you. We should talk more. And Felix keeps Paul as his personal spiritual confidant in semi-custody for two years. Well, then it was election season. Felix got out. I don't think there was actually elections, but it says that he was... He was succeeded by a guy by the name of Festus, who was another Roman. And Festus 
Felix tells Festus, hey, I've got this Jewish guy. I'm not quite sure what his deal is, but we never figured anything out, and he's still in prison, so he's yours. Festus says, well, bring him in here. Let's see what he has to say. I'm curious enough. So Paul comes in, and Festus says, so the Jews don't like you. We know that. Do you want to go down and actually stand trial? And Paul says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim my Roman citizenship rights. I want to go to Rome to go to trial. And Festus says, you can go to Rome. A couple days go by. King Agrippa, who's like a senator, comes to town. Big show. They're having their banquet. And Festus says to Agrippa, I've got this really interesting guy in jail. You should meet him. Um, I don't know exactly what his problem is, but apparently there's another guy named Jesus, and the Jews say that he's dead, and this guy says he's alive, and they want to kill him for saying that. I don't totally get it. And Agrippa says, well, bring him in here. Let's hear what he has to say. So Paul goes in. What does Paul do? Shares his testimony about Jesus to Agrippa, Right? And at the end of sharing his testimony, Agrippa actually says to him, you know, I might be wrong, but I get the impression that you want me to believe in Jesus. <laughs> and Paul says, that is, that is the truth. That would be my hope, is that you would believe. Agrippa says, eh, I'm not so sure about you. We need to haul you off to Rome. Paul gets carried off to Rome. There's a whole story there. Brought into Rome, and he spends the next two years waiting for trial, semi confined, preaching the gospel, encouraging believers, building up the church from prison while sitting in Rome awaiting trial. Four quick observations the cost of effecting real change. And again, this, has, this is from a very small circle of influence to a very large circle of influence. Number one is this. Paul was willing to carry his cross. He had reconciled the cost of following Jesus. He had come to terms with it. In Acts 21.13, why are you weeping? You're breaking my heart. I'm not only ready to be bound, but even if I have to die for the name of Lord Jesus, I'm willing to do that as well. Paul had fully reconciled the potential that in pursuit of his cause, it may cost him everything. Paul knew, Matthew 16, 24, if you want to be my disciple, you must. Someone's got it. Deny yourself. What was the second part? Take up your cross. If you're going to be part of the mission of Jesus, it's always going to involve a cross, which is laying your life down for others. Paul was willing to carry his cross. Number two, Paul was not deterred by the animosity of his opposition. If you stand up for the love of Jesus, for the causes of Christ on the earth, people are not going to like it. When we decided to launch Church on the Rock, Jonathan Walker and I got an email. Homer is a perfectly happy blend of Russians and lesbians. Please leave. Paul was not deterred by the animosity of his opposition. When Paul's opponents ramped up their attacks, 
Paul just saw new opportunities to share Jesus. A riot is breaking out. This is fantastic. I was wondering how I was going to get everyone together to preach the gospel to them. Okay, all I need is for you to settle down for a little bit so I can tell you the message that I've been sent to preach. Paul was not deterred. Number three, Paul could fully identify with his opposition. And this is the part that just kills me about this story. Paul looks at these people who are like desperately wanting him dead. And he says to them, yeah, I get it. I totally get where you're coming from. I used to want me dead too. All the people like me. I thought I was obeying God by chasing Christians down and slaughtering them. I was a homicidal maniac. Now I get it. I just ran into one little snag. I met Jesus, the resurrected Savior, along the road to Damascus. To win those who oppose your mission, the mission of the love of Christ, Paul knew the importance of relating to their viewpoint. Now I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I know what it means to be where you're at. But there's good news. You don't have to stay there. There is freedom. There is hope. There is life with God. And then number four, last one. Paul breathed and bled his mission. When he was put in the crusher, in the compactor, when Paul was put in the blender, what is it that he that, that Bled, he bled the love of Jesus towards the very people who were causing him harm, who were opposing him. It's like Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't grasp what it is that they're doing. In pursuing the causes that matter to Jesus, there will be a thousand opportunities to be justifiably enraged and hurt bitter and resentful. I remember a couple of years ago getting cussed out at Safeway. I think I've told you this story before. Cussed out at Safeway by someone who had visited our church with no explanation. Listen, if you cuss someone out at Safeway, at least tell them why you're cussing them out, right? It's common courtesy. When Paul was attacked what came out of him was the love of Jesus. There was no hypocrisy. That's what was in him, right? He had been transformed by the love of God. So when the pressure mounted, the love of God came rushing out of him. Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. This is Paul writing from prison. I want you to know that me being in prison... It's actually further advanced my mission with Jesus. And then lastly, this is the passage I just love so much. He's talking to Timothy, young pastor that he had mentored. He says, I suffer hardship even to the point of imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Isn't that great? 
you, if you, maybe some of you are watching online, you've, you've, you've been under quarantine because of health concerns, right? Guess what? The Word of God is not under quarantine. The Word of God is not limited by what limits our situations, right? The Word of God is not limited by the brokenness of humanity that we see. It is not imprisoned. It is out advancing. God, would you give us uh, the grace and the courage to be your hands and feet of love regardless of the situation and circumstance? That we would not hold back, but we would fully give ourselves. things that are so valuable to you. Whatever our servants, whether it be small or large, God, would you help us to reconcile with you our commitment to fully lay our lives down in obedience to you. We love you. Would you lead us now? Would you say, Amen. See you next week.